Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. A pleasure to be back here on the GM Shuffle alongside Michael Lombardi. I'm Adam Amberg. Thanks to everybody listening. My man, he's 60, chimed in. Loved the episode last week, previous week's burying Joel Embiid and the Sixers, uh, raving about Frank Sinatra. We've got lots of great stuff coming up. Not only the football talk, but we've been talking a lot about the Sopranos and best lines from characters. Bobby Bacala is our focus this week, along with a great guest, Mike Palm, straight out of Vegas, who's going to tell you how to win a lot of money this season. In terms of football conversations, Joe Mixon gets paid. Jason Peters maybe sliding back to left tackle if he gets more money for the Eagles. But we begin with the major topic of the day, and that's what's happening with Alvin Kamara and the New Orleans Saints. So the there's been a lot of back and forth with regards to the Saints and Kamara. At one point, there were entertaining trade offers. They weren't sure whether or not he was going to be a part of the team. But nobody can deny Kamara's versatility of this team, just how valuable he is. And it looks like, as we record this Wednesday morning, he's going to be back for the New Orleans Saints. Mike, what do you make of all this back and forth between the Saints and Kamara? You know, this is truly, I think, for fans of football that read all the, you know, go to Roto World and go to all the websites and listen to the news. This Camara case is truly, uh, you could teach it in any media business school class that this is the case of everybody has different sources. So, you know, Camaro's getting traded. Well, that's coming from the agent who talks to that source, you know, and then we've got somebody else has another source and they say they're closer to this. And then we have another. So there's always three or four different sources. And the key is to figure out when you're reading the column where the information is coming from. The Camaro getting traded source clearly was coming from the agent. He was trying to put pressure on to try to get the Saints to do something, right? That they're, they're, they're talking about trade. He wanted teams to then call up the Saints and say, you really think, you guys really talking about trading Kamara? You know, and then we had the, the distance between, oh, they're so far apart, they can't get it done. And then we wake up this morning and now all of a sudden they're all of a sudden closer. Everybody has different sources and every source has an agenda. So what what does that mean for you as a fan or a fantasy player is you have to be able to sit there and say, what makes the most common sense? Okay, and my man Jim Dixon over there in London, he gets it more than anybody, right? He says, he sends me a, a direct message yesterday and says, how would they possibly trade this guy? When they got the last year of a quarter, Drew Brees is probably last year playing. They're all in on the Super Bowl. Like, seriously, they're going to trade their best player. And he is their best player. Let's make no mistake about this. Michael Thomas included. Camaro is the engine. He drives this whole thing. And when they don't have him at full speed, it hurts. Right? So, you know, they're going to trade him in the year that's most critical. That makes no sense at all. And what Kamara brings, A.D., is this remarkable ability to impact their passing game and run routes as if he were a true slot receiver. His versatility is key. And we know that in today's NFL, that's what you want from players. You know, sometimes you do want a guy who can just plug the hole and that's what he can do. I mean, but fullbacks, you know, it's almost like an outdated position now. You want a guy like a Kamara, like you said, he can receive. He can obviously run the football, and he has really continuity. I think continuity matters a lot here, right? The fact that he's got familiarity with Sean Payton's system, he knows Drew Brees well. Doesn't that have to play in today's NFL, knowing the system, knowing the players, as we've talked about with no training camp, so to speak, you know, no preseason games. This guy knows what he's doing, so that has value in it. 
No doubt. It has great value. And, and, and Sean knows what he brings. I mean, all those third and shorts, when they extend him out and they run option routes with him, you know, Latavius Murray's not doing that. I mean, they're not going to be able to do that. Look, they gave Taysom Hill a deal because they truly believe Taysom Hill could eventually become the starter. Whether Jameis Winston beats him out, I don't know. But Camaro is the engine that drives this train. I mean, this team is peaked condition to really make a run. I mean, they've got their offensive line. They feel like they fixed that with McCoy at center and Ruiz, the kid they drafted in the first round. You know, they've got skill upon skill. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders adding him to the team. And then when they put Kamara on that field, you know, what do you want to do? He runs with power. He can go line up. If you try to play base against them and you try to handle Kamara with a linebacker, you're screwed. You know, you try to handle him with a corner, you got a better chance, but he's such a great route runner. He's got such great hands and Sean knows how to utilize his skill set. Like it makes no sense that they would trade this player. What are they going to get back for him? A second? Like, where are you going to get a guy like this? You just stole him, you know, you, you're, and, and then you're going to, whoever trades for him is gladly going to pay him because look, I've said this before, I, is any guy that impacts the passing game, like Camaro, like McCaffrey, like Zeke, you can take them out of the running back category. They're not, they're, they're, they're multidimensional players. We keep labeling them as running backs. We have to d- distinguish this. They're multidimensional players. They could be slot receivers. They could be runners. I mean, they, they do way more than just, okay, give me the ball. They go win on third down on third and five when you got to keep the ball and they run a little option route, go right, go left, like we used to in the playground, and they win it. I mean, like, you, you, can't, you, you can't replace that and say, well, you can't pay it back. Well, full fucking bullshit. You can't. He's a playmaker. Like, seriously, these rules that we come up with are just hilarious. Like, no rules apply to certain players. Speaking of no rules applying, no rules apply to the Jacksonville Jaguars organization, right? (laughs) We're going to dive into all of this (laughs) bizarre, interesting, whatever adjective you want to use. Here's the first part of it. Yannick Ngakwe, a member of the Vikings. So they announced that trade, a 2021 second-round pick, a conventional fifth-round pick in 2022. Uh, apparently signed off in the terms of a new contract, uh, as reported on Sunday, gave up $5.788 million in salary, dropping his franchise tender from $17.788 to $12 million without securing any incentives based on sacks or the ability to avoid being franchise tagged in 2021. But he gets freed, so to speak. He's out of Shawshank. Rather than now being with Jacksonville, he's in Minnesota. I mean... Do you think he took the pay cut just because he just wanted to get the hell out of Jacksonville? And is that a good enough reason in, in today's day, Mike, to say, you know what, if I'm happier at this place of employment, fine. Here's your $5 million. Get me out of here. I mean, it's remarkable, right? I mean, who takes a $5 million haircut? I mean, poor barbershop Mike sitting over there at Wesley Manor. He's When could he get a five? When, <laughs> when was he ever going to get a $5 million haircut? Like, seriously, who gets a $5 million haircut? Like how, what, what does that tell you? That tells you he, he put his middle finger up to Jacksonville and said, I have no interest in you whatsoever. Like I'm going to take, like I was sitting there thinking about it. Like I, I got to give Rick Spielman and, and, and Rob Brzezinski and the boys up in Minnesota a lot of credit. Like I'm, I'm wondering like, how did they even approach it? Did they just go to his agent and say, look, we would love to trade for the player, but the, the most we can play the guy is 12 million. Like that's the most we can pay him. Like, if you're Bob Quinn and you're Detroit, like, where are you, Bob? Are you sleeping at the switch here? Like, I know, well, I could see, I could see what they say. Well, he doesn't fit what we do. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The guy can rush. You're the worst two minute defense in the National Football League last year. Let's just put that in context. He doesn't fit what you do. 
You can't get off the field when they go to two minute, right? So maybe, maybe you could get a rusher that could help you. Like, I, I, I'm just amazed by how this all happened. Like, the Lions could have paid him the $17 million for one year, and then they could have decided what they, whether they wanted him or Trey Flowers. They're giving up a second-round pick. It's like, the pick's going to be in the 50s. Like, this guy's a legitimate – he can create turnovers. He can rush the passer. He's a really good player. Get, give David Blaine Caldwell credit for hitting one, right? You know, he finally had a battleship. K5 hit. Oh, my God. There we go. He's got so many misses that you got to give him credit for the good ones, right? So, look, I, you know, let's go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the pod. Everybody has media sources, right? So when they tr- made this trade, naturally, one of the big publications said that, that 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 they're not tanking. Well, like we know, like that's one of his main sources, David Blaine. Like that's one of his main sources, right? Because they never really rip them. They always, you could always tell based on the source who whether he gets ripped or not, right? Like they're not tanking. I, I mean, seriously, let's just put this in perspective, okay? From 2017 to 2019, if you just go to over the cap and you just look at money spent, cash outlay of that team, I think Jacksonville is in the top five, maybe the top six of spending money on players, player cost of any team in the National Football League. Okay. They had one of the highest payrolls in the league. I, I think from like, you know, when you go back to 16 to 19, I think it clearly had, they had to be. And here's what they came up with. I mean, they had one winning season in that time. They won one season where they won 10 games, right? They've only like they've only had one winning season in Shad Khan's eight years running the team. One. That was one. That was the 10 and 6 season. So, like, don't tell me you're not tanking. I mean, don't tell me. I went through it. I wrote a column for the Athletic AD. And I went through the team. If you go to the, the game sheet, when they played New England in the in the 17 conference championship game, and you look at the players in that starting lineup in that game to where they are today, I think there's six of them that are left, and three of them are from the offensive line. That's it. That's it. I mean, they get rid of they got rid of Campbell, they got rid of Jalen Ramsey, they got rid of AJ Bouay. You know, you know, uh, they got they dumped Malik Jackson, who they say is having the best camp in Philadelphia you could possibly have. You know, Telvin Smith, he left town. You know, I mean, like it's it's like ridiculous. Like they've done, like they just have done a really poor job. And and for me, the Fournette thing is just another step of how poorly run this organization is. Yeah, I mean, the Fournette story is just crazy. I mean, rare to get that surprised, Mike, but you say this is a guy who's 25 years of age, entering the final year of his rookie deal in 2020. He was earning $4 million in base salary. The amount is slash was fully guaranteed, scheduled to receive it on his way out. 2019, he rushed for 1,674 yards from scrimmage. He had 1,152 rushing yards last year, another 522 receiving yards. And yet, they're willing to potentially eat over $4 million to wave goodbye to a guy who they once thought was going to be the face of their franchise, a number four pick. Like it, it, It's astonishing to me just how poorly run they are. As you mentioned with your column, as you wrote from the GM's eye, Jackson fixed their franchise, but it'll take a top-to-bottom rehaul. There needs to be one voice and one person who can install and maintain the culture daily, and this works best when that one person happens to be the head coach. You use that word often in terms of culture. But if ever you had a situation that epitomized how important culture is, look no further than the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're in shambles. I, I mean, 
like seriously, Shah Khan's one of the wealthiest men in the world. In the world, he's. I mean, he's like. I think he might be the wealthiest NFL owner. I mean, think about that. That's an exclusive club to get into. If he's not, he's in the top three or four, right? I mean, that's a hell of an exclusive club just to get into. I mean, I, I can you only imagine the jacket that you have to wear in that club? <laughs> I mean, jeez, you know. So like, like, and yet he's so he's so good at making money. He's so stupid at running his franchise, you know, and. They take a running back, an old school run. If this was 1980, then Leonard Fournette would be a great pick for him, right? He could bang it. He needs to carry the ball 22 times to 28. You know, he could bang it up in there. So they cut him. But then he files a grievance against him because he thinks his contract is guaranteed. They're saying it's not, the fifth year. So they're going to file that grievance. And then when they go to the grievance, you know, whether he wins the grievance or not, he's going to end up making money because Jacksonville has always, because they've picked so high, they've they've not been able to do the offset clauses in their contracts. So, you know, they're going to, Fournette's going to be able to double dip whenever he goes. I mean, if he wins the grievance, great. He gets his $4 million. If he doesn't, he's going to make, he's going to make a good deal. And look, everybody's killing Fournette. I mean, the guy... The guy had a good year last year in, in 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 behind a bad offensive line. I'm not and I'm not a Fournette guy, but I mean put things in perspective. How many times on the pod last year did I say they should trade him while the trade while the time was hot, right? How many times I must have said at least at the trading deadline, like I would trade him, I would trade him, I would trade him. I mean, they got to be the dumbest franchise in all of sports. Like you got to wonder, are they like they they're the Maytag repairman down there? They're sleeping on the job. Like seriously, <laughs> like he doesn't he didn't fit last year. He fit last year, but he doesn't fit this year. Are you you're going to sell that one to me too? Like like they're going to be in shotgun. They got Gardner Minshew. They're going to be in spread. That's what you were in last year when you signed Nick Foles. Like I want to, I I really want to know how David Blaine Caldwell's done it. I really do. I mean, I got fired in one year as a GM of the Browns. One year. This son bitch has been going for seven. He's got thirty eight wins in those seven years. I mean, like, what does he have? Like, I this is I got to get Rockford on this one. Well, I love this line from the article in which you said, I'm not rooting for Marone to lose his job. I like Marone. I think he's a good coach in an impossible situation, but he knows he is a placeholder, barring some miracle like the one that happened in the 1989 movie Major League when a downtrodden team designed to lose games actually won the American League East, thwarting the plans of ownership to move the team. One of the great comedies of the last 25 years, one of the great sports movies of all time. Major League, like you know, that's a comedy. That's fun to enjoy. There's nothing humorous about the Jacksonville Jets. This is a tragedy that we're watching unfold before our eyes. And they're trying to sell it that they're not, they're trying to sell it that they're not trying to lose games. I mean, seriously, like you have so many young players on your team. You got a quarterback. I mean, when you turned Mike, when you signed Mike Lennon to be your backup quarterback, when Cam Newton was still on the street, right? Like, okay, let's just put things in perspective here. Cam Newton goes to the best coach in the National Football League. He he goes up there. People say, well, it won't work. He goes up there. He's already won over the locker room. He'll be named the starter, which we've been saying on the pod forever, right? He's going to be named the starter. He'll probably be named team captain up there, right? Like that guy walks in and he becomes the man, the man. Meanwhile, you're in Jacksonville and you think Mike Lennon would be a better fit for you? Seriously. And you're telling me and you want me to believe it. And you got, you know, PFT saying that you're not tanking. I mean, seriously, come on. Like, are you, you what are you doing if you're not tanking? If they really, to be honest with you, if you're not tanking, you should go get an examination. <laughs> I mean, because like, are you selling me? Like, do you think these are really good moves you're making? 
You know, like, uh, I mean, like, this is like George Costanza's taking over the team. It's a mess. It's a mess. Stay tuned, though. When we come back, we're going to talk about how final roster cuts affect fantasy football. I know all of you listening are going, yeah, I got my fantasy football draft coming up. The season starts next week, so we got advice for you. Plus, you're going to love this guy, Mike Palm, the vice president of operations for the D, Golden Gate, and Circa in Las Vegas, as Mike calls him, a Latter-day Sinatra. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, make me smarter as we continue here on the GM Shuffle. And by the way, Mike's on Instagram. Follow him at MLombardiNFL, same as his Twitter handle. You can follow me, Adnan S. Ferk. And you can also follow our show's Instagram page, at the GM Shuffle. So NFL teams are free to cut players whenever they want. The deadline of 4 Eastern on Saturday, this Saturday, arrives. All 32 rosters must consist of no more than 53 players on the active slash inactive list. So they already had to trim their training camp rosters to a maximum of 80 players by August 16th. Now, prior to 2017, teams worked through multiple roster cut deadlines. Obviously, you see a guy play, it doesn't work out, you cut him, et cetera, et cetera. The league's owners then voted to create the format still used today. One deadline, you get it down to 53. Now, because there's been no preseason, the lone roster cuts deadline remains the same as originally scheduled. This is a week before the start of the regular season. So, obviously, Mike, it's going to be tough for coaches to evaluate players and they haven't seen them in games. But with fantasy football drafts right now about to happen, what implications does this have when people are like, hey, is this guy going to make the team or not? I, I think you got to, it's, it's concerning because I think, you know, you read all these clips about what players doing good and what players doing bad and yada, yada, yada. And I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of veteran guys on the street because of the uncertainty of, of the virus, right? You know, there's going to be a little bit of concern about that. I don't think teams are going to want to guarantee, guarantee players' salary for the season. If you're on the roster on the Saturday before the opening day, your your get your seasons guaranteed for the year, you know. If you're not, then you become a week to week paycheck guy. You got to have that flexibility. And the question you should ask most coaches, if you're building a team, you're building a roster, is not is this guy good enough to help me in September? Is where will this player be in December? How good is he going to be in December? That's the question you have to ask yourself. So I think you're going to see a lot of names come out there and the media will go crazy. Oh my God, they cut this guy. I can't believe they cut that guy. I can't believe they cut that guy. 
Well, you're going to believe it because I think you're going to see a lot of, of those kind of situations that occur. And I think it's going to affect, you know, your planning on on fantasy football because there may be a guy or two that you think you could draft that he may not be with the right team. So, you know, I would say hold off on fantasy drafting as long as you possibly can until at least Monday or Tuesday of next week when you get a sense of the league to know exactly what's going on and who's where and who's not and what roles players are going to play. Because if they cut a veteran guy that you weren't expecting, it not necessarily you. it's that player that behind them that could easily come in and become, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a really good player. And and you got to it's the domino effect. It's that second order thinking that you've got to apply to your draft. So I, I would be really concerned. I, I think it's going to be a bunch of veterans on the market. I really do. I think because of the uh, the way they can do, you can now use practice squad as kind of a, a taxi squad as in the past. I think you're better off having a veteran on the taxi squad than you are on on your roster. You don't own them that owe them that money. I think it'll be a, be a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. We're seeing it already. The Raiders traded a guy, David Sharp, who they were going to cut to the Washington football team. You know, he'll give them a, another tackle, which they desperately need in Washington. And so, you know, in the Raiders, I mean, look, they've got to make, they got to get Trent Brown in shape and make sure he's healthy. But Sharp was a guy that they drafted back in the Reggie McKenzie era that they were eventually going to get. They th- I thought they were going to get rid of him last year and they eventually got rid of him now. So I think you're going to see a lot of those kind of trades too, AD. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how it develops. I just want to hit you on a couple of signings here, Mike. One of them is Joe Mixon in the Bengals. Four-year extension worth $48 million. Uh, he rushed for 11.36 last year, five touchdowns, second straight season more than 11, oh, excuse me, second straight season with more than 1,000 rushing yards. He's one of four running backs in football, at least 1,400 yards from scrimmage each of the past two seasons. McCaffrey, Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott also there. The reason I mention those names, Mike, because I don't think Joe Mixon gets mentioned with those guys. I'm curious, do you think he's a top five running back in the league? I, I don't think it. I know it. I mean, this guy, he's hard to tackle. Look, I'm telling you something. Anybody who ran behind that horseshit line in Cincinnati last year deserves a medal. I mean, they deserve a medal. This guy was unbelievable. I mean, he deserves a medal of honor. I mean, to get 4.1 yards a carry, you know, to be able to do that, I think he can he can do a lot in the passing game. I mean, his rookie season, he averaged 9.6 in the passing game, 9 yards. That's what you want out of a back. You want to be somewhere near 10 yards a catch. You know, you want to be in that area because now you're making, now you're a multidimensional player. Mixon is hard to tackle. He runs angry. He's got power. I mean, I think he's going to be, you know, he does. He didn't fumble one time last year in 278 carries. Think about that, A.D., not one time, you know, and of of his 278 carries, he only got stuffed 30 times, which means he got tackled behind the line, you know, maybe once, twice a game, which is hard because, look, they had, they had a shitty offense, you know, and, and I think when you break him down and with, with, with what they're going to do in the three receiver set with A.J. Green on the field now, you know, if you go to nickel against him, you better make sure your nickel back can tackle. Because this is a big man coming at you with a lot of anger. And so last year he had 166 carries for 746 yards when he was the, the in a three-receiver set. That's four or five a carry. I think he's going to be a huge player. I think he's an easy fantasy football first-round pick. I think he's multidimensional. I think the Bengals offensively are going to be much improved because Burrow gives them some stability. I, I like him. I think it's worth it. I think they got a hell of a deal on him. 
Yeah, and a good point about Burrow being there. So obviously it's not going to be, they're not actually going to hand the ball to Joe Burrow and go, okay, go throw for 4,000 yards. Obviously Mixon's going to be invaluable to try to help Burrow's transition into the game and hopefully they're not thrown on third and long if he's able to get yardage on first and second downs. The other one I wanted to mention to you, this was Taylor Decker, six-year, $85 million contract extension with the Detroit Lions. He's a left tackle. I don't want to get into necessarily the deal. It's just, you know, he's now the top five highest paid on average for offensive tackles in football. The new money he's making $60 million in new money spread out over the four more years. What I found interesting is this. His representation, AMDG Sports, is its own sports agency dedicated strictly to offensive linemen. Former Buckeye NFL offensive lineman LaCharles Bentley found this. I just found that unique to me. Like, you literally have an agency. They just focus on offensive linemen. What's your take on that? I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. If I was an agent and I got into the agent business, I would only recruit offensive and defensive linemen. And I would recruit quarterbacks. Those would be the only three positions I would recruit because offensive linemen have a way longer career. They can play 10 years, a lot of earning power in those years. They're usually self-sufficient, right? You don't have to kiss their ass. They'll show up to work. They do what you need them to do. Defensive linemen are going to cause you to have a lot of agita. You know, it's a lot of pay, a lot of Richie Apriles in defensive linemen, right? <laughs> They're going to cause you a lot of problems, you know. So you got to deal with them, uh, but they make you a lot of money, and they can play long too if you get them straightened out. And then I'm obviously quarterback. I think it's brilliant, you know. I think, and then as an ex offensive lineman, Latrell's Bentley was a really good player. He just got he got his knees blown out. He's, the the Cleveland doctors, I think, did him in, but. Uh, you know, he, then you can really spend time having, you know, clinics on how to help your linemen become better because there's no offseason. I mean, without that offseason program, these offensive linemen struggle. Whereas if you have an agency dedicated just to offensive linemen, you can really work on their fundamentals, work on the techniques. You can make them better players without their coaches around. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think, look, I, I think Taylor Decker's a good player. Do I think he's a top five tackle? No. But, I mean, you know this is what he's going to get. But if I were Bob Quinn, I'd be trying to find defensive linemen because I just don't see the – I think the Lions are one of the sleeper teams in the North. I love them for the over of six and a half wins. I think they can really compete. But I just worry that they're just not good enough on defense because when you break them down on defense, you know, they don't have enough defensive linemen. I mean – you know, Danny Shelton's not going to rush the passer. You know, they've got to – Trey Flowers has got to get there. They, they've got to find a different way to get there. I think they could have easily – if they could have had a guy like uh, Ndokwe, I mean, wow, that could have been huge. And for a two – but, you know, they went to the direction – it's going to be fascinating. They went in the direction of coverage guys. I think clearly there were people in the Lions organization that would have rather had the defensive tackle and Derek Brown, but they went Okuda – We'll see how well he plays. We'll see how he does. And we'll see if he can cover. Because remember this, you know, when you're building a football team, just go back to the five Mississippi rule. When we counted the five Mississippi, guys could get open. When you only counted the three Mississippi, no one got open, right? It was hard to get open. So when you draft defensive linemen, you're hoping for the three Mississippi count. When you draft defensive corners, you're in the five Mississippi count. And you better hope they can really cover for a long time. No doubt. And speaking of offensive players, Jason Peters, who one day is going to be in the Hall of Fame, we thought he was done. They bring him back because of a devastating injury to Brandon Brooks for the Philadelphia Eagles, right guard pro bowler, lost to an Achilles tear. So Peters is 38 years old. All right, I'll come back on a one-year $3 million deal to play right guard. 
He was scheduled to make a base salary of $1.8 million. Incentives could make him up to $6 million. But now he wants more money because they're saying, you know what? We're going to move you from right guard to left tackle. You're going to protect Carson Wentz's blind side just two weeks before the start of the regular season. Andre Dillard, who was the team's 2019 first-round pick, was expected to be the left tackle, but... He's got an issue himself. He tore his biceps in a training camp practice. He's going to now miss the season. What do you think about Jason Peters right now, Mike, saying, you know what, fine, I'll do it, but I'm 38 and I want to get paid. I think I've never seen this before in my life. I, like, I mean, first of all, let me say this for the record. I think when you lose your starting left tackle, it, it, it can be the most debilitating injury for your your entire football team because no team really has a backup left tackle they carry around that can be a- adequate. You always have to do something to help that tackle, which is going to limit what you do offensively. So, you know, and and it becomes a problem because it does restrict your flexibility offensively. You're constantly chipping over there. You're constantly worried about the matchup. Every good rusher is going to go against your shitty left tackle because they know he's vulnerable to get beat. And so you've got to build your game plan around one of one weakness. And if you have two weaknesses, then it becomes a problem. So for the Eagles, this is a really challenging situation. You know, will they call the Patriots up and try to trade for Joe Tooney, who makes $14 million? You know, would the Patriots trade Joe Tooney? There was a lot of conversation about that. You know, will they do that and put Tooney at left tackle for the game? I mean, but the whole Jason Peter thing just blows me away. I mean, I've again, they're negotiating a contract based on right guard. Like, if you sign a guy to a deal, isn't that deal predicated on I'm signing you to play? Now, they must have promised him he wasn't going to play left tackle, right? They must have said, hey, we're going to play you a guard. We're bringing you back to play guard. Because I don't think Jason Peters is going to say this unless he was told in that conversation what he was going to play. Correct. And now that he's asked to go play left tackle, it's like, wait a minute, you changed what you asked me to do. I, I, I'm, I would have never signed to play left tackle for $1.8 million with incentives. So the Eagles are going to have to make up their mind what they're doing. You know, the Eagles came out and said that they couldn't get involved in the Indakwe trade because the, you know they've got so much cap liability going into next year, which I think is all manageable depending on where the cap is. There's a lot of guys they can cut, but you know I do think anytime they incur any expenses that carry over into next year, it's going to be hard for them to to maneuver and really have the flexibility that they need. Yeah, and ultimately, Jason Peters, I get his point. Listen, man, I was a left tackle for 11 seasons. I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. I came back to help you guys at right guard. All of a sudden, I got to go back to left tackle, which is the most important position on the offensive line. Well, you got to take care of me now financially. I think that makes sense. And that the other thing is, is you're, this is a huge risk. I mean, if if you put him at left tackle, like if I were the Eagles, I wouldn't put him at left tackle. I would say, no, you just play guard because I think he goes and plays left tackle. I think he's going to get hurt. And I think he's going to get hurt at guard too because he's 38 years old and it's hard to stay healthy at that time. And it's even harder to go in there and play with all that quickness and moving around you. So I, I think I would leave him there and wouldn't change his salary. And you better hope Matt Pryor can play left tackle. I, I think this is hard against some of the really good fronts. Look, the Eagles... You know, they open up with Washington. They're going to have a hard time blocking Washington. They got to play Dallas. They're going to have a hard time blocking Dallas. Will they block the Giants? Yeah, everybody's going to be able to block the Giants. But that's still hard to do it. And with a first place schedule, I mean, the Eagles have to look trade-wise. I, I, I could see them calling New England up and saying, hey, would you trade Tooney? And maybe thinking he could play left tackle. 
I'm with you because, listen, Carson Wentz, we all know how precarious his health is. You don't want to go into the season with a wonky offensive line and one that's in flux as it is. All right, after the break, Mike Palm, the vice president of operations for the D, Golden Gate, and Circa Las Vegas. He's got a tremendous contest they're running out of the D Hotel, how you can enter to win big money, plus the best lines of Bobby Bacala. Next. You know, when you used to go to Vegas and you would drive by the Sands, they would have a sign out front and the sign would say the Rat Pack appearing tonight at 8 o'clock. Maybe Frank, maybe Dean, maybe Sammy. You weren't sure which one of the three you're going to get. You might get all three. But today, very special guest of the GM Shuffle podcast is almost like having all three wrapped into one. Mike Palm the vice president of all operations, all everything, the D Hotel downtown, amazing hotel downtown, building this incredible new sports book, is here, AD, to talk to us about one of the great contests. Really, literally, his owner, Derek Stevens, is giving away free money. And as we all know, money be green. And if you want to take it, you got to pay attention to the contest. So we welcome maybe Frank, maybe Sammy, maybe Dean, but the original Mike Palm. You know, uh, uh, Ad Man, Michael is too kind. I mean, it's, it's an honor to be on with you, the work you've done on ESPN, and especially on the Baseball Network. I'm a huge fan. And, you know, Michael, Michael brings so much football knowledge. I mean, he studied at the feet of the legends. He's, he's, he's worked with Al Davis. He's worked with Bill Walsh. He's worked with Bill Belichick. But, but maybe the best of them all, Harvey Hyde. I mean, no, people don't talk about that, but I mean, Michael is incredible. That's right. Harvey Hyde. You know, it's amazing. I I got my start. I met Harvey Hyde at Atlantic City Casino. Uh, Before the casino, they had the Coach of the Year convention. used to always be in Atlantic City. I met Harvey Hyde there, and I went up to him, and I said, uh, coach, you know, I want to get into coaching. He didn't know who I was. He took me to lunch and he, and he offered me really the start of my career. He said, we'll keep in touch. He was the head coach at Pasadena city college. So I kept in touch with him, you know, no phone, no, no, you know, no email letters, right? No cell phone. So, you know, if I called him, it was expensive, right? I couldn't call him from my dorm room at Hofstra. It was too expensive. I couldn't afford it. And then one day I was reading the New York Times, just literally reading the Times. And I see, because I used to be addicted to the transaction section, and I saw Harvey Hyde, named head football coach at UNLV. Man, I got on the phone, called him. He offered me a job uh, that basically was, you, if you drive out here, uh, I'll get you a place to live. I'll get you Burger King coupons and the Holiday Inn hotel buffet line. And, you know, if you work for free, you can come here. And I did. And that's how I got my career started. The Coach of the Year award is really, that banquet is really a key thing in, in the history of football and college and, and pro football. I mean, I remember John Madden talking about in 1962, he went to the Coach of the Year banquet um, to honor John McKay at USC, and he's listening to John McKay give his speech about the I formation, and he's ta- and John McKay's talking about, you know, it, it's Don Coriel that put the I formation, and I just copied it from Don Coriel. So, so John Madden, who was coaching at Allen Hancock, goes over and sits with Don Coriel. Why does he? Why does he want to go and, and talk to John McKay when it was Don Coriel that came up with the I formation? And he goes from John Hancock to being the defensive coordinator at at San Diego State, and then the rest is history. So, I mean, it's a pivotal thing, that Coach of the Year banquet. Well, it was pivotal in my life. I mean, uh, it changed my career, and Harvey did it. And he started, I drove my little truck out there, no air conditioning in the truck, drove it all the way from Ocean City to Vegas, and 
and that's how I got it going. So, but Mike, it's really great to have you. I don't think there's anybody and, and anyone listening to this podcast, Mike Palm is a modest guy, but he does the Palm Readers on VEASAN. And he gives out, he has a group A and group B picks, and he does an incredible job with hockey and baseball. If you want to make money on hockey and baseball, you have to listen to the Palm Readers because he does a great job, AD. He's got it down. He knows these pitchers. He knows everybody in the league. I mean, we have him on the show, and I just sit back and let him tell me what's happening. I love it. Listen, as a guy who's working at MLB Network and NHL Network, I got to start listening to these Palm Readers and get some of these picks and make some easy money out there. And speaking of... Mike, you've got a great contest going on here. A couple of them, matter of fact, here. Because, listen, you're here to make some people some money. And when somebody says a million dollars, that's right, a million dollars, the undefeated bonus prize. you got no rake, $1,000 to enter. Tell us all about this fantastic Circus Sports Survivor Pro Football Contest. Yeah, so we'll give you a little bit of the history, Adnan and Michael. You know, last year we, we opened up our own sports book here at the D and the Golden Gate. We had been... Uh, had been uh, leasing it out to William Hill and Derek Stevens, who's our owner from Detroit. I mean, he's, he's a prolific gambler and, 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 and a great uh, sports better. He said, I want to run my own sports book. So we hired Met Metcalf and he put together a team and we opened circus sports in June of, uh, of 2019. And we said, let's do a, uh, let's do a football contest to help us get some brand recognition. So, so we did, we did last year, we did the circa million and you know, we were nobody. We were the new kids on the block. We were an upstart. And we did a football contest, and we guaranteed $1.5 million in payout. So we needed to get 1,500 entries at 1,000 each. And that contest is you pick five games against the spread every week. And lo and behold, we had about 300 entries going into mid-August, and we got a tremendous spike on the end, did a lot of marketing, a lot of TV ads, help from Beast and help from Michael. And uh, we ended up with 1850 And it, w- it was all great. People had a great experience. We do this thing in, in the Circa Million where we do it quarterly, Adnan. So each quarter is its own payout. So the first four weeks, second four, third four, and last five are their own contest plus the overall with a million guaranteed to the overall winner. So it was really popular. We were feeling good. The sports book was gaining business. Derek said, well, let's, let's guarantee $3 million next year. And, oh, by the way, we'll do a survivor contest as well. Well, Nobody could really foresee the, the pandemic coming and, and the limited air travel and, in fact, the shutdown of some of the casino operations in Nevada and elsewhere. So what we did was we came up with, with two contests. We're doing this Circa Millions 2 and guaranteed $3 million. Last year we paid first a million down to tenths in the quarterlies. This year we're paying first all the way down to 50th, still a million dollars to the winner. We're going to play last place. If you put in all five picks all 17 weeks and you have the worst record, we'll give you 100000 for last. Plus, we're guaranteed $250,000 each quarter. So we need 3,000 entries this year as compared to, you know, we did 1850 last year just to break even. And then let's add a survivor contest, he said. Very popular in the Midwest and around the country. It's like a last man standing where you don't have to pick against the point spread. You just pick one team to win each week. But the, the kick is you can only use a team once. So you sort of have to have a, a whole plan of 17 weeks. And we added Thanksgiving Day as its own week. So it's really 18 weeks. So if you get, get to Thanksgiving Day, you've got to stay one of those six teams. And so we'll need 1,000 people at 1,000 in entry there to guarantee the million. And Derek said if anybody or a person goes 18 and 0, we'll add a million on for a $2 million bonus. So. So we're up against it here. I mean, as we talk, we've got about two weeks before uh, the deadline on September 12th. 
to enter the contest with the Sunday games on September 13th, week one in the NFL. And as we talk, we're sitting at about 850 entries in the Circa Million Two, where we need 3,000. And we're sitting about 350 entries in the uh, Survivor, where we need 1,000 to guarantee the million. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a big overlay. For any of our gamblers that are out there, that's a, a positive EV expectation where the money that's put into a pool is actually added onto by the house. It's like if you're playing in a poker tournament, you know, and you have 2,000 people entering at 1,000, and that's $2 million, but the house guaranteed a $4 million payout. You're just doubled the, the, the uh, expected value on your entry. So we're encouraging people to try to come out here. We have great proxies. There are several major proxy services, Kelly and Vegas, Las Vegas proxy with uh, Maddie Simo, and then there's other smaller ones that do it. But if you can make the trip out to Las Vegas one time before September 12th, you can register, and then these proxy services will put your picks in. So you can play from Oceanside, New Jersey. I mean, you can play from Detroit. You can play from St. Louis, from Miami, from wherever you are in the country because you put your picks in through your proxies in Nevada. So there's just a lot of value right now. We're, we're, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a giveaway of money, and as Michael says, there's no better year to try to handicap the NFL because the, the, the odds makers don't have any more advantage than the betters do. Yeah, Mike, I want to ask you a quick question. So it's just let's just hypothetically say uh, I'm friends with someone who lives in Vegas, and I want to partner with this person on this and enter the tournament. He can we can he enter it as a partnership, or does he become the sole member of that ticket? So you could enter it under your name, Michael, with him putting in the picks, but he would register as your proxy. Or he could enter it just himself, and you two have the agreement between each other that you're splitting this, you're splitting the entry, and you're splitting whatever winnings you might get out of the tournament. We don't get involved with whose partners. I mean, there's guys. There's a guy that just came out from Arkansas. He bought the full eight entries because you can get three in the, in the Circa Million Two. You can get five in the Survivor. He bought the full eight, but he was doing it for his buddies. Now, they're all in his name. And you get eight different logins and passwords to put the put them in each week. And he had a proxy here, but I mean he's splitting it amongst his buddies, and they're doing this collaboratively. They're in his name, and we're going to pay him out if he wins, and then he handles it with his friends about how they split up the money. But to register, you need somebody in Vegas, and so if I have somebody in Vegas that I could part will register me there, then he and I can work out the agreement on the split of the money. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. I mean, if you if you can't get to Vegas and you have a buddy that lives that lives in Vegas that can come register, you know, we're going to register him. And then whatever partnerships he has, that's up to that's up to you and him. If you're able to make it out here, you can register it in your name with you with your friend as the proxy because he has to be geolocated within Nevada to put the picks in each week. So there's lots of great contests here, Mike. Like you said, the, the million pro football contest, the circa is making it happen. And as you said earlier, it's an interesting year to kind of get in on it, even if somebody is a novice gambler. As you said, because this year has so much unpredictability and uncertainty, even if you're somebody who's not particularly confident in your gambling acumen, this would be the year to do it, right? Well, yeah. What, what does anybody know more than anybody else? We haven't had any preseason games, right? I mean, there's very limit, limited practices in this. I mean, who knows the variables of playing in front of no crowds or small crowds? Uh, so, I mean, I think to Michael's point, people are on a level playing field more this year than ever. No doubt. And I think, when do you post the lines? So at 10 a.m. on Thursday Pacific, 
10 a.m. Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. We'll put the lines out for all of the games. And then by Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific, you have to get your five picks in. Now, if you want to use the Thursday night game, obviously your picks have to be in before the kickoff on 5, 5.30 Pacific on the Thursday night game. But a lot of people don't use the Thursday night game because they really wait till Saturday afternoon to put in their place. One, to see how the lines move off the stale line of the contest. And two, are there any injuries? Are there any updates before they make their picks? No doubt. I think that's a great strategy. If you're going to play in this pool, I would recommend don't play the Thursday games. You can only get messed up there. There's too much uncertainty. Remember, this is all about controlling variables. You can't control that Thursday night variable. So if you can wait and do that, I think this is a great opportunity. I urge people listening to the GM Shuffle, If you, this is a lot of chance. Last year, I happen to know the guy that won it over at the Westgate, I think it was. He he was listening to the pod, making his picks based on some of the information that we were giving out in terms of how to, you know, handicap how to power rank your teams. And he wanted one and won the million. The year before Scott finished, I think he finished second in the search. So it's like you don't have to have this unbelievable knowledge of the NFL. If you listen to the right programs and you listen to the right people and you understand the lines, this is a great opportunity. And the guy, the guy who's really at risk here is, is Derek Stevens because he needs 3000 to break even, but he's still going ahead with the contest. No matter if he gets to 3000. Yeah. He's an honorable guy, Michael and Adnan. He's a very honorable person. We could have come up with, look, if there's a pandemic clause, there's an act of God clause. You know, we're going to lower the guarantee down to $1.5 million and $750,000. He said, no, we went ahead with this. We guaranteed it. And, my, you know, my word is my bond, and we're going to pay it. And if, I, if I'm a million, if I'm a million and a half upside down, that's okay because we're doing the right thing by the, by the people. So, Mike, the one question I have for you is this, because oftentimes it's going to change week to week, but is there a team right now, when you look at early bets or early talk that you feel isn't getting enough pub? And conversely, is there a team that you feel – hey, maybe I'm, I'm a little wary of, because as you said, you haven't seen preseason yet. You're not as bullish, perhaps, as other people. I listen to smart guys like Michael, and uh, I'm a little bit influenced by the fact that Derek's from Detroit. But uh, I, I don't know that the, the Detroit Lions are getting their due here. I mean, when you look at this division, I think it's up, it's up for grabs. And uh, I think it comes down to the Lions and the Packers. Uh, how is the Lions' defense going to hold up? Will they be able to get a pass rush? Will their corners be able to hold up? But look at, I mean, they are a tremendously talented team. And at this stage in Aaron Rodgers' career, I, th- I think that Matthew Stafford has to be viewed as the best quarterback I- in the division. I mean, the Vikings, I think, are going to take a big step back this year just because they're replacing so many people on defense. So I, I, I look at the Lions as a team that's undervalued. And in week one, if they're only laying less than a, a field goal at home against the Bears, I like the Lions a lot if you want to get somebody off on the right track in terms of getting a week one winner in here or even even using the Lions as a survivor pick in week one as a small favorite and saving some of the bigger teams, the, the Kansas Cities, the Baltimores, the San Francisco, maybe Dallas against Washington on that Thanksgiving week for later in the year. Teams that are overvalued. I'm not sold on the Jets, and I'm not saying that they're valued like they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think the Jets, the Jets might struggle this year. I'm not sure that they can get, they can get to near 500. I think that this is a wide-open uh, AFC East this year, obviously, with Brady going south 
to Tampa. I would lean to Buffalo or even Miami as teams that are at right prices are up to win that division. I think the Jets might be up against it this year. And uh, so if there was a team that I thought about fading early, it would be the Jets. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We appreciate having you. I urge everybody to get involved with the contest. I think it's tremendous. I urge everybody, if you're in Vegas, to go see Mike at the D Hotel. Talk a little bit before we let you go. The new Circa Sportsbook. Just lay that out for us. So the whole property, uh, Circa, it's a brand new property in downtown Las Vegas with uh, 777 hotel rooms and an absolutely incredible three-story sportsbook, Circa Sports and a two-level two pool deck that is absolutely incredible. I mean, it, it's got a screen that's uh, 178 by uh, 56 feet. I mean, it's just, they're installing the screen now. This pool experience for people that love to, and, and it's a pool that'll be open from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., so it's not this close at 5 o'clock pool like a lot of people are used to in Vegas. But it'll be themed around, not only will there be DJs, it'll be themed around sporting events as well. And, I mean, the sporting events are going to be featured on this pool deck. I mean, think about how, what a Masters party we can throw. I mean, Super Bowl, how about the Thursday and Friday of March Madness? So it's going to be absolutely incredible. Our goal was to open before 2021. We had a lot of challenges with the pandemic. We're actually opening, and I hope Michael and his wife can make it, the casino itself, the first five floors, the, the sports book, and the, the pool are going to open on October 28th. We're going to have a ceremony the night of October 27th that will open for our first bets at midnight, October 28th. And then the hotel itself will open two months later, just before New Year's on December 28th. This is a project eight years in the making. Derek Stevens started playing Monopoly almost a decade ago, acquiring different pieces of real estate downtown and being able to, to make his really his dream come true of, of this of this luxury resort. And we're just so excited to get it open. We started drawing this thing out with the architects almost four years ago. I remember sitting in meetings every Wednesday for almost eight months just coming up with the Portage to share. We got a garage right across the street with 1,200 parking spots called Garage Mahal because it's to be a beacon <laughs> to the Las Vegas ballot. I mean, this thing, Michael, it's got artwork. The spaces are three feet wider than a normal parking garage. The security, it's got music playing. I mean, it's just, out of this world with this garage. It's a destination garage, as we like to call it. But he's done it first top-notch all the way across, and we can't wait to get the property open. That's great stuff, Mike. We can't wait to, to be a part of it. Like you said, we appreciate your time here on the GM Shuffle. And listen, happy betting. Obviously, as you said off the top, and Michael was saying, you've got a great reputation when it comes to making great picks, and this sounds like a great uh, Obviously, contests for people to be a part of. I just love the idea of a proxy. I just can't wait to find a guy in Vegas who can be my proxy. But for now, uh, you're a friend of the podcast, and we really appreciate you, Mike. Thanks again. Give us the details, once again, for people to enter. Sure. We got the Circa Million 2 and the Circa Survivor. Deadline for entry here in Las Vegas, Saturday, September 12th at 2 p.m. It's a $1,000 entry in both contests. The Circa Million 2 has a guaranteed payout of $3 million. You pick five games against the spread every week. We pay the top 50 spots. Quarterly prizes as well, million dollars to first place. And then the Circus Survivor, $1,000 buy-in, one team, no spread every week. You can only use a team once. Who's ever left at the end, who hasn't had a pick wrong, wins a million dollars all to themselves. If you go 18-0, and 0, including Thanksgiving Day, you can win $2 million. Well, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. All right, great stuff there from Mike. Uh, we've been doing, we didn't do it last week, we've been doing you know, great lines from Sopranos characters. So 
We're going to do Tony next week in honor of the NFL season returning officially next week. But the last one here is Bobby Bacala in terms of great supporting characters. Listen, Bobby Bacala was a guy. You had him come on. He was this huge, obese guy. He seemed like a gentle giant. Tony's kind of making fun of him. But I think he was smarter than people realize. Generally, he's a dumb guy. But smarter than people realize, Mike, because he knew he was smart enough to get in bed with Tony's sister. Like, think about that. All of a sudden, now I'm a member of the family. Tony starts promoting him. I mean, he's known for a lot of one-liners and being a dumb guy. But I think craftier than one might think. Yeah, and you know, I think he may not have had, obviously, the Quasimodo is his signature line. And, you know, and and when he when he tells Tony when he leaves the pork store about, you know, to the spoils goes the victors, you know, he gives it that line. But, but I think... I, I think his facial expressions to the one lines that he always took, he played the straight guy. Like one of my favorite scenes is when him and Uncle Junior are driving in the car after, it's it's called Second Opinion, when he's driving Uncle Junior. You know, you come down here and ask one fucking question about my diet. You know, it's like he took so many good one-liners and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and... I, you know, he it was well, it was underplayed, but it was perfectly played. I thought. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he was more subtle than people realize. And you're right about being the straight man. He did take a lot of abuse. Like the fact the time that Tony said, "I think it's time for you to start to considerly, seriously consider salads." And Bobby says, "What do you mean?" So he goes, "What do I mean? I mean, get off my car before you flip it over, you fat <laughs> fuck." And then he drives off. And then Bobby says to himself, "Why don't you look in the mirror sometime, you insensitive cocksucker?" Yeah, I, I mean, it's just like he took a lot of abuse. He kind of smiled. He took it. But you know when he beats up Tony in the fight, you know when he when he when he takes that guy. Remember when he goes into the bar and he convinces the juror to basically vote for Junior not to be, you know, uh, uh, convicted. He does it in a nice, subtle, soft way. It was really a. I kind of thought his character was really well developed in terms of the softness. In terms of he was trying to be a family man. You know, he was trying to pick up his kids. You know, how many white burgers did you eat? Uh, you know, and he shrugs his shoulders. I can smell it on your breath. I mean, like, the guy's <laughs> taking more. <laughs> yeah. Quasimodo predicted all of this. You're right. That's definitely the line that people often remember when it comes to Bobby. And by the way, one of the great death scenes. I mean, if I was in The Sopranos, Mike, I'm sure just like you, we'd say, okay, I hope I get killed at some point. Don't kill me early, but I hope I get a great death scene. Bobby Bacala had as good a death scene as ever existed in The Sopranos. The Blue Comet, one of my favorite episodes, the penultimate episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, the Blue Comet was the train that used to run from New York to Atlantic City, and obviously Bobby was a train buff. But to get shot and killed at a train at a toy train station was kind of fitting, wasn't it? I mean, Chase really perfectly put it that way. It, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I think I think he is an understated actor. I think he did. A great job, and uh, you know Steve kind of, and I know Steve and Chris and and uh, Michael Imperia, Michael Imperia, they have their podcast and they talk about it. I mean, you could just you could just feel his the way he toned himself down in in the show. I, I thought he was really well casted. It was perfect because he wasn't you know he wasn't trying to piss anybody off. He wasn't trying to be Ralphie. You know, how about when he walks in there with this. Uh, when he comes in the in the Pine Barrens episode and he's ready to go down there to find him and he's in all those gear. You know, what people don't realize about that scene is is what he did in that scene was he wore like a giant dildo around his his lower body that that uh that James Gandolfini did not know he was gonna have on. So when he walked into Junior's kitchen, 
Tony saw the dildo and reacted and laughed his ass off, right? Because it, that's what they wanted him to do in the when he saw the costume. So it was perfect. I mean, you could see that Steve was ultimately the team player. Yeah, I, I love the story behind that because it's like, you know, he went to the costume designer was like, okay, I got to make him laugh somehow. And I just love the fact that the prop goes like, oh yeah, I got a giant dildo right over here. Like just, you know, those Hollywood guys on set, you never know we might need one of these sex toys just to pop up in a scene. But I agree with you, very understated performance. And you're right, if you listen to Talking Sopranos, which I do, you know, Steve Sharip is a very loud, uh, you know, rambunctious guy, funny. So you're right, on the show, he really did tone it down. Speaking of toning it down, our last thought here before we close, how about Kirk Cousins? With a quote that's now making the rounds, if I die, I die. Sounding eerily like Ivan Drago, Rocky IV, when talking about Rocky Balboa, if he dies, he dies. This is going to get a lot of play here by Kirk Cousins. Listen, there's a way you say it. There's a way you don't say it. The way you say it is, I understand that there's safety protocols in place. I'm going to do my best to follow them. But honestly, I'm willing to take the risk because I love football and I'll pray for the best, blah, 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 blah. The way he's making it sort of so callous, like, hey, you know, I've had a good life. If I die, I die. That's the kind of flippant attitude that you would expect, I guess, from Kirk Cousins. But maybe he's not the best thing to say publicly. How do you like me now? I mean, really, seriously, how do you like him now? I mean, you know, you know, the thing that's amazing about poor Kirk Cousins is, is he's one of these players that has this incredible season. Right. You know, he's almost 70 percent completion percentage averages eight one yards per attempt, which is significantly more than the great Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. Significantly more. Right. He, he throws 26 touchdowns, only six interceptions. And yet he can't quite get there when the big games happen. It just can't quite happen. And then he does dumb, and then he says stupid things like this, and it just reinforce. Like you expect him to kind of grow up, or at least take that one job. And I keep waiting for it. You know, I keep waiting for it because the numbers are impressive. When you just look at his numbers, I mean, it's really good. I mean, the guys, the guy's been good the last two seasons for Minnesota. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's thrown fifty six touchdown passes the last two years. I mean, come on, definitely has had great numbers, but uh, yeah, his mouth sometimes gets him into trouble. You like that? I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot about it. Thanks, as always, for checking us out here on the GM Shuffle. We'll be back next week. And listen, next week is huge. Football begins next week. Can you believe it, Mike? I mean, that now you can get that feeling in the air, right? The calendar turns to September. Next year, we get meaningful football, finally. And look, that's why we had Mike Palm on today, because it's really important. We're going to give you the bets on Friday. Look, if you're spending money on Vegas Dave then you got to have your head examined because the guy's not doesn't know anything about football and he lies about all his picks he doesn't he 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 does the old Jimmy the Greek thing he gives certain people three picks and he gives the opposite people the different three picks so he's going to be right on something so if you're falling for that you're making a mistake listen to the pod every Thursday we're going to give you five four we may give you three depending on the week of picks, and hopefully we'll be somewhere around 67, 68%, which we were last year. Even if we're at 57%, you're going to make money. The fact that your picks are at two-thirds winning percentage, I mean, listen, folks, you want some free money to go use on DraftKings, FanDuel, you name it, trust me, you'll find it right here on the GM Shuffle.